Hey everybody, I'm Steve Discourse, and this is White Savior Complex. So one hobby I have, I don't know if it's a hobby, but it's kind of a, a peripheral interest of mine that I'm trying to get more into, but uh, it's not a huge part of my life as of yet is tabletop games or board games and card games, just all kind of gaming like that. And surprisingly, somehow, maybe not surprisingly, but internet algorithms know this. They found out and I was scrolling through Instagram a couple weeks ago and I saw a sponsored post for a game called Factions Battleground. And uh, it's not released yet, it's in development. They're going to fund it through Kickstarter. And I saw it and I said, huh, okay. I don't normally see sponsored ads, you know, for gaming. Let me click on it. You know, the art looks kind of cool. So as I'm scrolling around, clicking on their posts on their account, I find out that the, the algorithms might have actually had cross interests in showing this to me because Factions Battleground also has a particular goal in mind and that goal is to have representative diversity in gaming and so I reached out to Factions Battleground and I got to have a great conversation with the co-founders the co-creators Jason Creighton who runs the artistic side of the game development and Pete Ferry who runs the logistics the data side of the game which is pretty much developing the rules and statistics and everything like that and I also spoke with Brianna Cole who is one of the game's illustrators and she's designing one of the factions in Factions Battleground so I started the conversation asking how they got into the gaming industry with this particular goal of diversity and representation in mind here's Jason Creighton first followed by Brianna Cole, and I should note that both of them are black. Peter and I, like, so we grew up together. We've known each other since first grade, and we were both into, like, fantasy-style games and things of that nature when we were younger, uh, so growing up. Um, but one thing, of course, that we noticed was just, like, in the gaming space, there is a lack of... Uh, uh, minorities, specifically uh, minorities who, who are really engaged in tabletop gaming and also just the idea of the um, artists behind it. And so what we realized is the fact that one way to hopefully maybe um, show people of color that like the community of gaming is such a cool place and such a, uh, a cool thing to do and, and this really awesome experience is to really uh, represent them so we can show people that they're valued even if they don't feel like they're valued in this space but having a game that shows that we believe can make a difference and that's one of the biggest motivations behind it was the thing that we saw lacking we wanted to kind of fill that hole uh, and try to provide that for people that is a very real feeling of seeing like a game or just something as simple as like a cute design on a book or something and, and everybody is never never looks like you um it can have an effect on like what you think you might be capable of and things like that and i think that's one of the things that really got me into art because i just feel like there needs to be more 
<sighs> representation of people of color just just in the art world just in general yeah well first of all i want to thank you for for having us and that's pete here and, and he about, is white about this and uh and in, encouraging us to kind of challenge especially me to kind of challenge um my thoughts on this and everything so i appreciate that uh, we grew up playing what we would call uh, medieval fantasy games so kind of like Magic the Gathering is a, a good example of this, and Dungeons and Dragons would be another one. And kind of, you know, the whole time, uh, what I didn't really realize that Jason did, but he never really expressed it to me, was that every character on the cards was either a white male or it was something inspired by European mythology. So the the whole aspect of the genre is that it's, a you know, a fantasy world where you're, you know, anything goes and there's these monsters and all this sort of thing. Um, but what I, I guess I didn't realize until I was an adult is that even with white supremacy, even kind of the, the grip on what our imagination should be um, kind of the, the mythologies that people think of that aren't even real <laughs> are, are still very centered in, in white culture. And Jason said, you know, when we were developing this, cause he really loved the genre too. He said, I wish there was a game like this when I was a kid and I was like, at first, well, I don't, I don't get what you mean. There's plenty like this. You know, we played games like this. But um, to kind of realize that none of the, the games, or I should say all of the games, still were inspired by uh, white culture, white history, white mythology, European mythology, um, and, and all of the designers and players, for the most part, over 90%, uh, we're all white, and, and even more specifically, we're all male. When we decided to develop this game, the other the other thing is that because it is based on imaginary uh, monsters and things like that, uh, and people who play these games, hopefully, you know, they're they're more open to new concepts. That was our thinking going into it. And so we wanted to kind of um, unite that aspect with with an aspect that's led entirely by people of color through the artists, through... Um, the game designer, which which is me for now, but it, it'll hopefully be Jason and somebody else who's a person of color, so I can hand that that off. And then uh, just through the cultures that the game is inspired by, um, be able to kind of bring a whole new group of people into what we consider as an awesome hobby. And I think that that would benefit, my opinion personally, is that that would benefit the hobby so much as a whole, just because there's so many so many unbelievable um, cultures and mythologies that have really been been kind of suppressed by white privilege and white supremacy that we haven't even really kind of realized. So um, that's what kind of opened my eyes and kind of made me realize the, the importance of this game. So I want to make sure we really drive home the points that Pete just made because they really excited me. I was really happy to hear his take on this because it's so easy as white people to grow up and assume that the things that are natural to us, the things that are comfortable and familiar to us are just natural. So much so that we don't realize that even when our best friend partaking in the same things may see the equally glaring and obvious gaps or holes or blind spots, the things that are missing. And while we're talking about board games and hobbies right now, we grow up to take that same thing for granted in the rest of the world. You know, we grow up to think of certain styles of dress or certain styles of speaking or certain styles of, of hair 
to be professional. And those tend to be white aesthetics. Those are white values and sensibilities. I mean, how many times do we can we read some story from anywhere in the country seemingly that, you know, maybe a, a black child was suspended for having dreadlocks because that violates a dress code or some kind of braids or other hairstyle that is common or natural to black people that doesn't fit codes and guidelines of sensibility that cater to white ideas. How, how many of us look at the Senate and see its vast whiteness? And do, do, we, do we question that? Do we wonder why that is? Do we notice what's missing there? The perspectives, the voices that are missing, the way our best friends or our neighbor next door or the people in our town or our coworkers who are not white, the way they see and feel that. And so, you know, Pete very quickly dropped the term white supremacy. And this, a lot of times, is what we mean when we refer to white supremacy. It's not always talking about burning crosses and violently inflicting white power over black bodies and spaces. Sometimes white supremacy is really just the ubiquity, the pervasiveness of white perspectives and viewpoints. And that's what we need to train ourselves to recognize here. benefits that, that we all stand to uh, experience from games with diverse design? There are a lot of benefits, I think. Um, the first one that came to mind is just like general history learning, like just being able to learn outside of like the Eurocentric curriculum that's often t- taught in like classrooms. So you get to learn about other people's mythology, other people's religions, and what made them them really um i think that's a really important thing of it because when you learn somebody's backstory when you learn where somebody's come from you can kind of understand them better and what they might value as well um the other part of that is having a diverse set of people work on a project you can see off the bat like is this going to offend somebody so if you had like me if we were doing something that was like ooh, i don't know if that's going to go over well with the black community because it makes me feel like this, that somebody else might have thought about, then you have that like checking, that fact checking where you can explain to everybody like that was not right. And then it's a learning opportunity for everybody. So I think that's super important. Um, And just, it's just learning for people who aren't of color, learning maybe from those conversations, like Pete said that he had with Mr. Creighton that, well, why is this game so important to you? Like, we play these games all the time. It's it's a different experience to play it when you can really put yourself into the game. And so that'll open up more conversations with people, with families. And I feel like there's just lots of learning that can go on. There's lots of acceptance. And just, I feel like it's going to create a little bit of a harmony. Bree is uh, doing an absolutely amazing job with with the faction that she is uh she's illustrating and kind of to her point it, it's really i think opening a lot of people's eyes to just kind of different not only approaches on fantasy but just different histories of different parts of the world that you don't learn about in school the fact that 
that I am learning more and more about these different mythologies that I didn't learn about as a kid just kind of shows you that there's a lot out there uh, that, again, we as white people don't really give ourselves access to and we and we should. And I think that, you know, gaming with another person, this this hobby itself is built on acceptance and inclusion and coming together to enjoy an activity. And um, I think that if if we're only accepting and enjoying activities with people who look like, act like, think like us, then we are we're really not growing whatsoever. And so I think that this is just a a way that that white people who are involved in this hobby can can be able to just learn and interact at the very basics, just very just interact with other cultures that they're not familiar with or other people that they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And the the only way that we can actually make that an accurate bridge is if we accurately re- accurately represent people of color, histories of of people of color, you know, stories and and myths uh, of people of color within our game. If, Okay. And if I could, can I just share kind of an example that really opened my eyes on, on this point? Whenever sure. we post like a new, because we, we have a lot of following on Instagram, whenever we post a new monster or something that's inspired from African mythology, we have this, we have a monster called an Inkanyamba, it's a, an African, a sea serpent, basically, that, that lives in a lake in Africa is kind of the origin. Everybody, white people <laughs> included, are all like, wow, that's so cool. I can't wait to try this. That's really exciting. But then as soon as we, say something like our game is inspired by other cultures or it's designed to, you know, bring other people to a gaming table or it's inspired by blurs, you know, that's when they, that's when we start to see pushback. We never see pushback when we take the actual human element out of it. We only see pushback when we actually say, Hey, why don't you actually apply this or learn about this culture? And that's just something I've noticed. Uh, that's really kind of disheartening, I guess you could say to me, but also really eye-opening at the same time. I mean, specifically with the intentionality of of a game like Faction, is there is is there like a practical kind of victory or goal to be had here, or is it is it like a philosophical um, moral endeavor to to just kind of change? conversations i don't know how do you how do you look at, at your roles each of you right and brianna you're an illustrator and you're maybe new to the game but but for both of you i mean how do you how do you view this well if you want to start yeah i i actually i understand what you mean you're kind of saying like well how do you measure your success and for me personally i think it's when like another artist of color or like a child of color sees my art and they're like oh my gosh like she makes this art like one of my friends showed a picture of something I did to somebody who she was like a camp counselor for and she's like oh my gosh her art is so pretty and then she was super super happy to know that I was black and she sent me like some of her art and I think like that was a win that was like that's a success when 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 a child or anyone sees you and they're like wow she's doing that he's doing that. This makes me happy. It makes me want to do it. That's like, I'm winning. So I guess it's not, it's not like necessarily measurable or you can't really cap it. It just like, I just want it to keep happening. So Peter and I will get messages from people um, who like when they see certain things, like one of the things that I feel like opened people's eyes was just the fact that um, how like measured and how intentional 
like the the cultural things that we implemented. So like like the, like say for example, Breeze faction specifically representing West African culture and the mythologies that are mixed in there. Uh, and also like when people saw some of the South American pieces, they're like, this is really cool. Like I have not seen this before, and this does make me proud. This does in, engage me, and this does make me happy. Like when I see something like this, because I have, haven't seen it before. So I feel like just those those small victories make a big difference. But like the the big picture thing is the idea of having a game like this that exists in a gaming space because that in of itself is a victory. Because in my opinion, there is no fantasy game that exists this way where there's a major focus on representing like underrepresented cultures and mythologies because typically it's tailored towards like Eastern culture or like Western culture, like as in like European culture. And you really don't see something like this and just the idea of having it made and knowing that there's an audience that's supporting it, so it can be made, that's a victory. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I mean, I think it can only really help, practically speaking, to to have these conversations, to 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 take the the genre of board games or gaming, in, in, even in a larger sense than that, and to really challenge it. Um, not only, like Brianna was saying, you know, to inspire kids to become artists but also hopefully mm-hmm. to just really open up a lane for more opportunities because i i would think the more close-minded white gamers are and then white game developers are we're probably not giving opportunities to black and other artists of color or or even just game developers you know um whether mm-hmm. they do the practical stuff like pete because because it's undervalued in general and so not only just does it kind of change the mindset, but then it that mindset being changed can now practically change the dynamics of the industry. Yes, uh, absolutely. So that and that's how I feel about it because essentially, like uh, we are limited by like you know uh, the cultures that we're exposed to and just our experiences, uh, and and those things help us create like the, the like the game worlds and the fantasy worlds and things like that. Um, and so having a group of people, so a group of people who normally aren't doing this and also a diverse group of people, that makes a gigantic difference because if you do have people who are from the same demographic and they're the only people creating, it does close off that section. I think having those other voices, the voices that need to be heard, makes a gigantic difference because, like you were saying, then it shows people that this is valuable and this is something that can be done. And like Bree was saying, then it does inspire other people to do it, and then that, you get that trickle effect from there. So before we wrapped up, Brianna had one last observation to make, and I'm really glad. And so that's where this conversation will end. I'll leave it with her. Oh, I do have one more thing. All right. Because you had mentioned uh, at the first question you asked about how some people will talk about like reverse racism. And that is something that I feel like I personally struggle with understanding the concept because on one hand, I don't want to turn around and be mean to white people ever, ever, ever. But it's hard. It's not hard to not be mean. It's hard to, like, make them understand how it feels. Because you you never want somebody else to feel that way. So it's like, I'm trying to make you understand this. I'm not trying to be racist. I just, it's that. And, like, with black colleges and black groups, black uh, Greek life and stuff like that, like you were saying, it's not that we don't want you. It's that previously they didn't want us, and and mm-hmm. they're not they're not even close to having white people in it. Like our Greek life on campus, 
we had a whole white guy as the Alpha Phi Alpha president. Like, it's not that we don't want white people. It's that we want respect. And it's just hard to fill those gaps of not being able to understand each other's perspective. But I think with this game and with all the other, like, peaceful things that have been going on to try and raise awareness, that it's it's getting to people in a softer way where you can just, oh, like, I see that there's really not a lot of representation. Like, oh, maybe that's why people just don't feel as capable sometimes because, well, I've never seen mm-hmm. a black person do this, so I don't know. So I think with doing things like that, we're, we're trying to soften the sharing of experiences and I, I think that's um, going to be really powerful I think she's right I, I hope she's right that it will be very powerful and it was it was really well said and you know I mean it's it's an important point to make and hopefully folks who are, are critical of some of the protests and some of the tension and, and sometimes violence that arises in these protests is there's many ways we can get to where we need to go and it can be with a lot of resistance it can be with discomfort and pain and and fear and sorrow or it can be done softer we can we can come to the table willingly and embrace the work of Brianna and Jay and Pete and others we can broaden our own views and our own sensibilities and we can get there that way in coordination and collaboration together or we can take to the streets and we can march I want to thank Pete Ferry and Jay Creighton co-founders of the game I want to thank Brianna Cole game illustrator for Factions Battlegrounds if you want to see some of Brianna's awesome art you can go follow her on Instagram it's bees knees that's b-e-e dot z knees k-n-e-e-s she's got so many really beautiful amazing illustrations up there uh, it's really cool to scroll through her feed you can also check out the game follow uh, and learn about the development it's going to be up on kickstarter for crowdfunding and that's factions battlegrounds all one word on instagram and as usual i really appreciate everybody tuning in and joining me on this process in this journey it's going to be hard work digging into ourselves, unpacking our own biases and breaking through those walls. And uh, if you want to get in contact with me, you can tweet me at Steve Discourse. You can email me contact at newdealmedia.com. That's new with a K. And let me know thoughts, feedback, questions. If you have a topic you want me to talk about on the show, let me know. I'm happy to, to interact with you on that and see what we can do. And so, with all that said, I'm Steve Discourse, and that is White Savior Complex.